0: Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Cause all that I am, Lord, follow You all of my days. No in back. I've left behind my. Four- My name is, if you don't know, if, if I don't know you, my name is Ra. It's short for Rawiri, but no one can say that, so it's Ra. My name is Ra. I'm from, um, from New Zealand. I'm uh, from a small little country town, probably about 50-odd people there, uh, including cows and sheep. Um, I'm from a little, very small country town. Tallulah, that was our cow's name. No, it's not true. It was Barbara. Barbara was our cow's name. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is, our, our, cow, our, our cow actually died quite often, but it was always called Barbara. I don't know what it was. I don't know if that's funny or not, but it's the truth, you know? My cow kept dying, but it kept being called Barbara, so I don't know, as a young kid, I just thought it'd live forever. We had this cow, Barbara. We used to milk it before and after school. But um, well, I was brought up in a, in a single-parent family. I didn't know my dad, never met my dad. Um, and I also was one of eight children. I'm the second eldest. I'm the eldest boy. Um my older sister sort of moved out of the house when she was quite young so it was pretty much me being the the big guy in the house and and all my you know other six siblings and and um it was it was a it was a great upbringing we I had a great time there it was, it was great in the country and we didn't have much we didn't have nothing at all we we you know we've all been there or some of us have you know we've we just bought up with nothing we had no money we had no nothing had to milk cows for milk had to you know uh, light fires to get hot water, we didn't have any hot water in our house. And um, and uh, you know what, I've got to say that when I was a younger guy, I, I kind of started to, I, I used to resent the fact that I didn't know my dad. I used to resent the fact that when I'd go to rugby games or school events or any event, other people would be there with their dads, but I'd had no dad. I'd be, I'd be sitting there by myself with no dad. And I used to resent the fact that um, I'd turn up and, you know, Everyone would have all these nice clothing, and I'd have, you know, you know, you know, hand me downs. And you know, this is not a sad story, I'm not that's not where I'm going, but i but you know, I used, to, I used to really like have a problem with this fact was like, why did I have to be poor? Why did I have to have no dad? He's got a dad, she's got a dad, they've got a dad, they've got a car, they've got shoes. How come I don't have any of that kind of stuff? And he used to really get to me to really get to me, but I realized that, that these uh, circumstances were, were, none of, were, were circumstances of, of not, none of my choices that I made. They were actually circumstances of choices made of people before me. See, um, people before me made choices and I had to live with the circumstances. Are you with me? And quite often in our lives, we, we uh, live with the, with the circumstances of choices other people have made. Is where you're, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I didn't want this, how come this happened to me? But because of the choices of others, you know, we get stuck with the, and it's usually the kids who get, you know, blah, blah, blah. But quite often we get stuck with, uh, with the choices, with the circumstances of choices that other people have made. And I remember being quite, quite angry about that as a little boy, you know, like I didn't ask to be born fatherless. I didn't ask to be born poor, I just was, you know, and that kind of deal. But that, you know, that's just a side little note. I'll, get, I'll, that I'll, I'll bring that back later on. But I, I went to a small school. Uh, it was called Kaihu Valley Primary School. We lived in a valley, and uh, the school was on a little bit of a hill. It was on a little bit of a hill because the valley, and the school was up on the hill, so it didn't get flooded. And, and um, it was a pretty cool little school. We had we had, I don't know. We had a few few kids going there. We used to catch the bus there. And I remember this one specific time that I was there um, at school, and I was a pretty happy-go-lucky kind of kid. I was pretty, you know. That kind of deal. I was pretty happy to get lucky, but I remember one time, uh, one particular time, I'm standing in this place at school, and all these kids come around the corner, and they've got my little sister, who's a year younger than me, Lorna, in front of them, and they, and, they, and they come around the corner. This felt like a mass of people, probably five, but felt like a mass of where I came from. That's like a fifth of the of the whole town, but you know, they come along. Ten percent, anyway, whatever. Got there. But they come around, this, this, all these people come around, and, and my little sister was crying, and she had this bleeding nose. And she's boiling. And, and this is, you know, when we we're at intermediate school, we call that in New Zealand, so I was about 11. She might have been about 10. And I remember them come around this corner, and my sister's crying. She's sobbing, and she's crying, and she's, you know, doing that thing that kids do when they, and she had this bleeding nose. And, and, and all these kids walked up, and I remember, um, I said, What happened? And, uh, and all the other kids, because my sister was, she wasn't able to speak. She was incoherent. She, was, you know, sobbing and blood and and and. And, uh, and uh, I said, "What happened?" And uh, they basically said, "Well, you know, one of the guys in my classroom who was a year older bopped her in the nose." I was like, "What?" But all this time, the whole time that. They're telling me, me the story. All I could see was my sister. I could hear people talking. I, could see the, I, I couldn't I—I could see the crowd behind them. I knew there was people around them. But all I could see was this tunnel vision of my sister's face. And I remember seeing the pain in her eyes. And I remember seeing, you know, the hurt. And I remember seeing in her eyes, I can remember she, she's actually asking me for help. Not a word was spoken, but she's sitting there and she's crying. I'm oh, standing there, sorry. She's crying, standing in front of me, just weeping and crying. And, and, um, and I remember these kids say, yeah, yeah, this Alistair. I don't want to say his last name, but Alistair. He um, he punched her in the nose. They must have had some sort of, you know, kids do, you know. Must have had, but he popped her in the nose. And I said, really? And they said, yeah. And, and I kind of started to get a little bit, I was only a young fella and I was happy-go-lucky, but my persona started to change. I started getting a little bit, you, you know. My jaw started to set and, you know, started green and, you know, clothes ripping off and stuff. <laughs> but I remember sitting there getting like, Angry, like really angry, and indignant. Like, he what? And they're like, yeah, yeah. They push, and I'm looking at my sister, and all I can see is my sister's face. And I said to these guys, and I'm and I'm angry, and I'm and I'm pumped up, and blood's running through my veins. And I said, where is he? And they said, he's at the tree. And we had this big massive tree at school, and it was right at the end of the uh, tennis courts. So, walked through the crowd. Went around the side of, the, of, the, of, the, of, a, of a classroom. And sure enough, here's this kid, Alistair, sitting underneath this tree, like casual as, just sitting there eating an apple. Like nothing's happened. Like, you know, just so casual. And I thought, how dare he? Like, did he not know that there would be consequences to what he did? Did he not know that Big Brother would come calling? You know what I mean? But this guy was just sitting there, just relaxed as anything. Eating an apple, casual, eating an apple, all this kind of stuff like that. And who knows that, you know, big brothers do what big brothers do. And I went over, and as soon as he saw me, his face changed, you know, and he stood up, and I chased him around this tree for a bit. And, um, and eventually, I, I dealt with it. Eventually, I dealt with the problem. I dealt with it, and uh, I might have gone a bit too far and dealt with it and dealt with it a few times and dealt with it, you know. A little boy, angry, and I dealt with that thing. I dealt with that problem, you know. I made sure man, and you're never going to do that again to my sister. Mate, no, I dealt with that thing, and I, I probably did it a few too many times, to be honest. But I made sure I wanted to deal with that issue. I wanted to make sure that he would never, ever touch one of my, you know, family members, one of my loved ones. And I remember that it was all done, you know. But I, I remember, you know, when I woke up that morning, I, I had no intention of getting into a fight that day. When I woke up that morning, I wasn't stretching, trying out my best UFC moves. You know, that, That's not a UFC move. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't putting on the wrestling pads and doing the WWE, or for us older fellas, the on-the-mat moves, you know, remember on the mat? No, okay. Um, wrestling show in New Zealand. But I didn't wake up thinking I was going to get into a fight that day. I didn't wake up going, today's the day. You know what I mean? I found that, uh, in fact, this guy, Alistair, did nothing to me at all. He didn't hit me. He didn't bother me. He did nothing to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, he did nothing like that to me. And um, I didn't want to try and fight, and he didn't want to fight me. But my point is this, is that sometimes love will pickle fight for you. I'll say it again. Sometimes love will pick a fight for you. It was the love, because of the love for my sister on a hill under a tree in New Zealand, that I fought a fight. It's because of Christ's love for you on a hill, on a tree in Calvary that he picked a fight. Because he wanted to tell you that you were loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son. Why? Because of love. Sometimes love will pick a fight for you. Isn't that amazing? For God so loved the world. That little statement alone should take care of every single self, uh, self-doubt problem that you have. Self, uh, what is, What's the word I was looking for? I got it here. Insecurity, that's it. Any self-worth problem that you have. It's taken care of in that one statement. It's dissolved. For God so loved the world. And it's so easy to, to, uh, to generalize that statement because God loves the world. But the point is it's, it's actually very personal. For God so loves you. And we find it easy to generalize, yeah, God loves the world, but I think we have a hard time believing that God loves me. Are you with me? I think we have a hard time believing that God loves me. For God would die on a cross for me. For God so loves you. For God so loves you. Honestly, self-worth, self-esteem issues, they should disappear like that, but we don't get it. If we knew how much God loved us, you're with me. Because as I was preparing this, as I was thinking of what to say, I just... Constantly heard or felt the heart of God saying, tell my people that they're loved. Because they don't get it yet. They still don't know. They know it in their head, but they don't know it in their heart that they're loved. I fought a fight on a hill, on a tree for you. For you. It's for you. I died on a cross for you. Just take that in for a second. For you, God. Every single one of you. He did it for you. So that all your insecurities, I just hear God say, all your insecurities, this is They've been dealt with at the tree. I've dealt with it at the tree. All your pain, said I've dealt with it at the tree. All your hurt, my daughter. I've dealt with it at the tree. Your addiction, I've dealt with it at the tree. All your fears. I've dealt with it at the tree. You suffer from loneliness. That was dealt with at the tree. It's all gone. It's dealt with the fifth. That is the all-encompassing work of the cross. I ran around a tree, and I dealt with this guy. Because I love my sister. Christ hung on a cross. He hung on a tree. For you, for me, for us. That is the enormity of what we remember tonight, or remember this Easter weekend, this Easter week. Doesn't matter if you're seven. Seventeen or seventy. God says, You are so loved by me. And I've often thought, man, why don't people why does why do people like why aren't the doors like being flooded by people, why don't why don't the you know people in the world why aren't they rushing into church going I had no idea about this good news, why are people just flocking in here by the numbers by the hundreds because that's good news yeah. Yeah. that 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 but you, that's good news for the heart for the soul for the it's good news yeah. and I wonder why is it that people don't and I remember when I wasn't a Christian. And uh, people would ask me, why don't you come to church? I thought Christianity, Christianity was about perfection, was a journey of perfection, where you had to be, you know, had to dress like this and talk like this and, you know, get everything right. I, that's, that was my perception of Christianity. That, no, no, I've got, I've got to get everything right, I've got to look smart. And, I, and, I, and I, to be quite honest, I didn't feel I could measure up to it. I thought it was a journey of perfection where you just had to get everything perfect in your life and you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that, no, no. This very narrow sort of journey. But I've since found it's not. I've since found it's being a Christian, that it's not. It's a complete opposite. It's a journey of love and grace where we all fully accept that we are imperfect. Fully accept that I am imperfect. Proud. I'm imperfect, yet God loves me just the same. It's not a journey of perfection. It's a journey of love and grace. Where you say, I'm imperfect, yet God loves me entirely just the same. Far too often we make the the cross hard. We make the cross hard. I wasn't going to go down this track, but we make the cross hard. We, we make it hard for people to come to the cross because we project this image that we mm-hmm, got it right, got it all good, got it sorted. You know, We project this image, and people don't feel like they live up to it. I think it's, it's about time we started getting real with each other. I think it's about time that we said, hey, man, I need to cross just as much as you do. Hey, man, I've got some stuff that I need to lay at the foot of the cross just like you do. And I think that we'll find that we'll love a whole lot better once we start doing that because we're real. You know what I mean? We're not pretending. We're actually going. No, no, no. no. I, I can see your. I can see. I see your faults, and I'm good with them because I can see my own. You know what I mean? Right, right. I see your fault. I'm cool with that. I can love you through that because I'm getting love through mine. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But we we pretend to be your, I don't know. I wasn't going here. Where am I going? Thank you, God. <laughs> you know, we pretend to. Be excellent. We've got the this, this spirit of excellence, you know. We think we have to be portrayed this excellent thing. But I love the fact that I was just sharing with Rachel a little bit earlier. I love the fact that God says that he comes and, and he places himself into earthen vessels, he calls it. But the spirit, this, this beautiful treasure in earthen vessels. You know what? I like that we, I would love that we would go around and just say, hey man, I'm broken. I've got some deals going on and, you know, Christ is walking me through the whole deal. I would love that. Because then people don't get mistaken between the content of the vessel and the vessel. Or the container, shall we say. Sometimes the container is trying to look all excellent when we should be actually yeah. talking about the content of the container. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't really think of this one. It just come, it's just coming out. Work with me. <laughs> we all polish. No, just, just be who you are. Just be who you are. Loved, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I've got a little bit of a, you know, whatever it is, but Christ loves me. That gives us the ability to love other people through their stuff. Amen? Amen? I wasn't going there, so let me get back to where I was. Where's my page? For God so loved the world. Got a few minutes and I'm going to wrap this baby up. For God so loved the world. You know what? Maybe you have a story like mine. Maybe you had a story where, because of the choices of others, you've, pain and, 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 and hurt has been inflicted on you. Maybe you've had, like my story, you've, uh, you've had a bad start in life because of the choices that other people have made. Maybe you've been subjected to pain and hurt by others, by others' choices. What other, sorry, maybe you've been hurt by what others have chosen to do to you. I don't know what that is. Maybe you've been, maybe you're like me, where you just started off with a bad hand and you've been hurt, you've been damaged, you've had suffering because of the choices of other people. I don't know your story, I, I, I don't. But I do know that tonight you can make a choice. That tonight that you can, if you've got some kind of hurt, if there's some unforgiveness, if there's some pain in your life, it would be remiss of me not to say this, but maybe I can give you an opportunity to deal with it at the tree. To bring it to the cross and get your life right. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've had someone do that to you. You have a choice to let that go. You have a choice to forgive that person as Christ had forgiven us. You have a choice tonight to go, I let that go. I've done that so many times in so many things in my world. And in every time, Christ has come and filled that gap with love, with healing, with compassion. I don't know what that is. I don't know why Christ asked me to do, what well, God told me to do that, but I believe that you have a choice tonight, that you can leave some things at the foot of the cross tonight. That you can actually leave a better person. You can leave free of unforgiveness. You can leave free of hate. You can leave free of pain. But dealing with it at the tree. Bringing it to the cross. Christ says, I love you. But there's some stuff we've got to get rid of. There's some stuff that we've got to get rid of. In, in my, and you've got to... Bring it to the foot of the tree. Bring it to the base of the cross. I love you. I love you. I know I know other people have done that to you. I know you've been subjected to that. But I want you to bring it to the foot of the cross. Bring it to the tree. Let it go. There's liberty. There's freedom. I don't want anyone to walk out of this room not feeling liberated by the power of the cross. Good Friday. Don't walk out of this room carrying that thing anymore. Leave it at the cross. It's a good Friday. Set yourself free of that thing. Let it go. Let it go.